Hello everybody and welcome to That's The Issue, uh, the comic book podcast that gets to know you through the issues that you love. I'm your host Matt Loon and uh, welcome to the show. My co-host as always is Mr. Wes Messer. Wes dude, how are you doing this evening? Uh, not too bad. Outside of some very hilarious technical difficulties I don't want to bore the viewers with, uh, the nice <laughs> lovely listeners with, or yeah. steal a term from Game Grumps, the lovelies. Um, I would, I pre- yeah, but outside of that I'm good, quite good. good. I, it was when, I, when I was waiting for some when I was waiting for some programs to install because of set technical difficulties, I was I was just chilling, reading some comic books. So I'm groovy. I'm good. Groovy. Oh, that's what we're all about, reading comic books. Um, so we're, uh, we're joined by a guest this week. Um, it's a uh, fellow Multiversity comic writer, as well as the um, the uh, social media editor uh, for MultiversityComics.com. It's, uh, it's <laughs> Kay Kostersky. Kay, welcome to the show. Welcome and... Props and praise to you, Matt. You got my last name right on the first oh, try. Oh, brilliant. I thought I'd say it a little I have faster, heard... just in case I do get it wrong, and I can just kind of breeze through. No, you got it right. <laughs> um, the, the perils of a Polish last name, <laughs> and I've heard so many butcherings that at some points I would call businesses, and they're like, okay, Ms. C- c- uh, don't even try. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. You can hear them like, attempt, go to attempt it. You're like, no, it's fine. Don't worry. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that is one of the perils of podcasting as well. I think really is just the idea of having, uh, you know, wanting to have as many guests on as possible, and just thinking, ah, oh, now I have to pronounce names without severely offending <laughs> them and sending them, sending them off forever. In there. <laughs> yeah. But um, so, Kate, how long have you you've been with Multiversity a little while now, and you've been kind of social media editor for um, for a little while. So, um, you know, how how have you um, how have you come to join Multiversity? So I actually joined Multiversity about nine months ago. Um, It just happened at that time. Uh, This is about spring, summer of last year. I had some other commitments related to my day job that were wrapping up. So I was finding myself with a lot of free time. And when I was in college, I did journalism. I was on our I was a writer and I was an editor for our college newspaper and I thought, well, it might be nice to do that again. And again, having this free time, I had this backlog of comics and graphic novels that I really hadn't been reading. So I was like, let's put the two together and see what happens. I actually started over at uh, Geeks Out, which is a uh, nonprofit based in the New York City area where I live that works to amplify voices in the uh, queer voices in the geek community. And I had done some blogging for them and after I had a little bit of a portfolio, I sent stuff to Multiversity. I think I may have seen a link on Twitter. And our editor-in-chief, Brian, got back to me in an hour. was like, welcome on board. So I worked my way from there. I did our micro-reviews mm-hmm. in our Wrapping Wednesday column up to the full reviews. And in December, Brian asked me if I'd be interested in doing the social media for the site. So I do our Facebook and Twitter. 
Um, we do have a Tumblr. There's a lot of just cross-posting with Tumblr, but I mainly write awesome. the tweets that you see. And cool. there is, um, I mean, as someone who is trying to cut down on their Twitter usage um, <laughs> at the moment, how is that? Um, <laughs> like, I found that uh, kind of something that I was I was interested in, like to to talk to you about because you know the using twitter a lot there's especially in the geek community at the moment there's obviously you know the big buzzfeed article that's just gone out about trolls and the community and stuff and yeah uh, it's yes. like it's a huge it's a huge problem it's a huge issue is that something that's really its ugly head for you personally like dealing with multiversity or no and i have said to my significant other more than once i'm a woman writing about comics on the internet yeah. i'm just sitting back and waiting for somebody to come after me, which I should not have to say in 2018. No. Not when we have a, do- a female doctor that's going to be on Doctor Who this year. <laughs> yeah, not- exactly. This is why am I saying this in 2018? It should not be this way. Um, we've been fortunate in that we haven't had we haven't had Comic Skate come after us. Mm. Um, every once in a while, we get people that don't really read uh, directions um but we have not as far as i know we have and as far as i've been doing the twitter i've not experienced that level of harassment and i'm thankful but i'm also very guarded that it's sadly only a matter of time yeah i mean again like as you you know as you say like being a female writer on on the internet in general and especially with like comics at the moment um that is you know putting a target on your back for no for no reason you know or having a target on your back not putting one um and they they seem to just pick on that you know me personally again take it as like kind of a, a cishet white writer uh, male writer i i have not seen anything but um positivity regarding multiversity uh, comics then i think it's they've got a good we've got quite a strong statement of who we are and i think that is um that attracts the right kind of people and that attracts like people who care about comics and people who want to hear kind of positive um thoughtful criticism of comics as well um and so i i count myself lucky to be part of a website like that but at the same time you know there aren't any websites out there you know apart from maybe sites that kind of uh, scan skirt kind of scandal and things like that there's no there's no other websites out there that deserve this kind of vitriol you know so I, I think you know me saying our site is good and therefore it doesn't get harassment kind of implies that there are other sites out there that deserve it and that's not at all true i think it's um i think it just because becomes someone's time at some point and um and it's you know it's it's disgusting it's kind of a low point of the of the thing that we do you know and the thing that we we want to write about we want to all of us are here because we love it and yeah. um you know, so listeners who haven't seen this BuzzFeed article, there's a there's an article going around um, that is um, really well written, really well um, review, uh, really well researched, and really thoughtfully put together, and reaches a more mainstream audience than it would do on the usual sites uh, like kind of CBR or Comic Book or Bleeding Cool. Um, and it uh, details Comics Gate, which is. Um, you know the the name for the vitriol and hatred that's kind of uh, circulating at the moment that is in backlash to diversity um in diversity and inclusion in comics um so you know screw us for trying to you know wanting to involve everyone <laughs> involve as many people as possible how dare we you know exactly it's yeah it's my comics are better because i see all kinds of people in them. I'm still very much heartbroken that Iceman mm-hmm. got cancelled by Marvel. 
um, America, which I have to finish yeah. reading, but also got canceled by Marvel. And I keep hearing rumors, and I hope that they never come to pass that Ms. Marvel yes. is on the chopping block. I, I, I still feel like they. it's interesting that, that that's a book that it seems like it's been on the chopping block, but yet... And it's been at least so far, I think it's been staved by the fact that it does really well in, it's one of those books that does really well yeah. in other Train. circles, like in the, uh, like yeah, in like other uh, outlets, like uh, bookstores. Yeah. And uh, I think it does well, I think it's yeah. one of those that does well in Scholastic stuff too, like Squirrel Girl and um, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Yep, those are, those are books that do well in trade. My, my my younger sister is a children's librarian in New Jersey. And any t- the when I would offer her unsolicited <laughs> advice on what comics to buy. I always say, buy Ms. Marvel. She's from New Jersey. She is going to look like yeah. the kids that come into your library. I haven't been down to see if she's taken my advice, but she's younger, so I'm going to assume that she doesn't. Aww. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you can't teach kids these days. It, it, but I know. And you do know, and I have noticed the same thing <laughs> in my libraries. Like, in libraries in my area, there's a lot, like, you see a lot more Miss Marvel Squirrel Girl and Moon Girl Devil Dinosaur because the library it's picked up on is like, hey, kids, yeah, these kids might actually dig reading more of this, so let's order the heck out of this. So yeah. I am a librarian, a credentialed librarian. I do have a degree in library science. And, Rock and roll. And although I do it, my day job is connected to libraries and higher education, but it's not working in a library per se. Um mm. Comic cre- comics publishers, uh, di- mostly through Diamond, have a very big presence at our conferences. Uh, the uh, U.S. Ooh. Public Library Association conference is going on this week down in Philadelphia, and I know Image is there. In fact, uh, one of their writers, T. Franklin, who just did a graphic novel called Bingo Love, yes, and yeah. was is doing an ongoing coming out this fall with uh, Image, is down there signing her books. Oh, wow. And uh, we do have a little mini artist alley um, that at our conferences where people where librarians who work with comics and graphic novels in their library can talk to different creators. I'm happy to say that one of my friends and one of the one of the books I reviewed for Multiversity, the author got accepted. So he's going to go to New Orleans this summer. Oh, wow, oh, cool. That's really cool. And that's and that's the thing. Like, I think the you know, I think we can safely say that the future of comics is in this kind of diversity, this kind of inclusion, this kind of, um, you know, branching out to different formats, different publishers, different types of creators to the kinds that we're historically used to seeing work from. Yeah. And like, so, you know, mm-hmm. the the comicsgate community is vicious it's um it's harmful and it is um you know it is it is a very negative part of this culture but it is a minority it might be very vocal but it is a minority and they are they are on the wrong side of history you know they can they can kick up their heels and go oh you know we're we're here we're not here we're not racist we're just here because we want to make sure that comics become as quality as they are they're they're like comics are moving ahead just fine you know comics are moving in the in the right direction the comics creators like t franklin are coming out and then producing amazing work like bingo love was brilliant like the new series that she's got coming out looks brave looks 
looks unique and I'm really looking forward to seeing that as well and I think that's you know that is that is the fact of the matter isn't it you know these people can can rant and rave and kind of shake their fist at a cloud but like it's like the the comics community is moving along just fine you know we are fortunate that we have ways for independent publishers to get their work out um we have publishers that recognize there's a, we have a tenant in library science called every reader its book and every book its reader and i always when i think of that i always think of image because mm. there is something i always tell people if you want to you know if you don't want to read comics and you don't want to go the superhero route go read go look at what image comics is publishing because you'll find something you like i've yeah. seen fantasy i've seen zombies i've seen I've seen some great like te- um, teen YA books. Um, I I really and, and f- I really think there's just something for everybody there. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And I think um, this kind of leads on uh, nicely to uh, the first point that I wanted to talk with you about. Actually, is the um, the we spoke last week on the show um, or last episode uh, we spoke about um, digital versus versus comic stores. Um, and uh, we spoke about um, the general state of the comics industry with uh, with direct market and, di- and diamond and things like that. Since we had that conversation and since that show went up, um, we um, uh, you and I, Kate, spoke on email about um, Meltdown Comics, which is closing, um, closing its doors, and um, a couple of other stores that have announced their closures or changing hands and things like that. Um, what what's what are your kind of thoughts on um, you know the the state like the the health of brick and mortar stores? It's going to vary by city. Um, I I live in the New York City metro area, mm-hmm. and like you've talked about last week with Forbidden Planet sort of being the lord over comics in. I'm assuming in the UK. I don't know if they're just London based or yeah. if they're okay. No, they are. Yeah, they are all over the UK. Yeah. Um, in New York, we have Midtown Comics, which is like the grandfather of comic shops. And they're great. They have everything. So it makes it hard sometimes for smaller shops to compete. And you got to find that niche. Also, rents in New York City are insanely high. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. There was a story we had on Multiversity in one of our news roundups about JHU comic books, which is literally a block away from one of my company's offices. And great shop, great people. Well, they're being forced to move because rent is too high. That seems to be. And I'm sure the prevalence of digital sales is cutting into that. I know um, if I'm working from home because it's of weather, which happened quite a bit this past month, thanks, Snow, uh, (laughs) I will sometimes just go on Comixology and get my comics digitally. I also live in a limited space. And I do not want my comics taking over my house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But why not have a house filled with comic books? I mean, you could have comic book furniture, comic book <laughs> chairs, comic book couch. Look, I, my, I've already told my significant other we are not getting the throne, the Game of Thrones Iron Throne decal for the back of the toilet. He is not going to go well with the. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's the and yes, that was a dis- yeah. And yes, that was a discussion that actually happened in my house. <laughs> I, I love this. That, 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 I love that. It makes my day. My <laughs> the Funkos are slowly taking over. We both collect Funko Pops oh, very wow. religiously, and they are slowly taking over the house. They might start charging us rent. Yeah. <laughs> um, that being said, you have to find, I'm going to quote, um, I'll quote from the musical Gypsy, but you got to have a gimmick. And I think the stores that can do this well 
have something else to bring people in. There's a shop that I am in Philadelphia that's gotten a lot of buzz called Amalgam Coffee and Comics. And it's literally a comic shop and a coffee shop. Awesome. It's also, I think, one of the the first, if not only, shop owned by an African-American woman. Yeah. So I'm... I am actually have to do a little work trip to Philadelphia on Thursday. So I'm like, I'm, when I'm trying to figure out my travel, I'm thinking, all right, if I leave now, I can swing by Amalgam and see what it looks like. So There's cool. also one in Denver, Colorado called Mutiny Information Cafe, which is... A, I love the name. Well, it is a... Get ready for this one. It's a comic shop. It's a coffee shop. It's a used bookstore. It's a record shop. And quite frankly, I think there's a dispense medical marijuana dispensary downstairs because I smell smells like wow. Yeah, for your benefit, Matt, um uh marijuana is legal in a few states in the US, then um Colorado being one of them. And yeah. as I learned on a work trip to Denver, they very much embrace that culture. Um wow. But these shops find ways to combine the comics with something else that brings in other customers. Um does it always work? No, because if I remember, and I, I admit I scanned this story, so correct me if I'm wrong, Meltdown had sort of be, moved away from being a comic shop and more into like a podcasting and studio space, which can alienate people that come for the comics. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have got to be... You have got to be careful with things like that, haven't you? you have gotta, you've got to make sure that um, you you cater to the audience around you as you say like it it varies from state to state and so somewhere like portland or san francisco or you know big big metropolitan areas can probably get away with um opening up their shop to um like more diversity more kind of um uh, more like young young adult stuff more kids all ages books whereas if there's a a smaller community that is you know their highest sales are marvel and dc i can imagine it's a harder shift for them to move away despite the fact that they can probably see on the horizon that the you know the the actual landscape of who's buying comics is changing um if their community isn't buying that kind of stuff then you know what how how much of a risk is it for them to actually try and try and push that on people um it's it's a, it's very you know as as i said to, to wes last last time um you know i, I don't know if you've uh, seen the new book that dan Girino's put out called comic shop um but uh, that discusses he went all over america and interviewed uh comic shop owners and things like that. so it's, it's a fantastic book um but he basically says in that there's there's no real way that the you know the comics the comics owning a comic shop as a business model um just shouldn't work you know in, in all theory like it, it, it's it's like a bee trying to fly like you can't you can't science is trying to disprove it even though it's actually happening um it's the same with comic shops like they they, they physically shouldn't operate and yet they do and they thrive and it's it's mostly because of of people of people loving comics and people wanting to you know wanting to be a part of this this industry um it's strange so my caution would be today diversify but don't let that take over um this like i said the shops that i like i the shops that i see doing well are the ones that find that balance between selling comics and doing other fun stuff to bring people in um another shop that i know and love greatly is uh, anyone comics in brooklyn and the owner there he's used good friend he used to work at one of the midtown locations he's had drink and draw events he's had burlesque he's had movie nights oh wow 
he's had and I don't know how legal this is um, they've shown Game of Thrones on a screen there he's and he purposely picked his location for the fact that there wasn't a comic shop in the area and that it was also diverse and I've seen everywhere from our buddies walking in just to throw him some money and give him some support to kids from the neighborhood yeah that's awesome so there's like a yep he just he just passed his first anniversary March 1st and I'm hoping it's yeah, and I'm hoping he sees much, much more. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's like that's where comics need I, to comic shops need to be going. Really, is the is this kind of opening up to? I mean, I love the idea of a comics and coffee. And where's you were saying like there's like a comic shop that has like an arcade as well. There's there's been a few there's there's come comic shops like there's there's some sort of try like there hasn't been an arcade there's hasn't been an arcade one yet. There's a there's ones that have done a little bit of everything. It's like mostly like a lot of the comic shops around here, they're comics and gaming shops. Right, yes. right. So it's like they sell board games and comics or, and they have like places where people can go play board games and if they want to like, and they can go play as many like open game nights, whatever, and just hang out, play board games. And it's not just, and not just open game night, but if they're, if someone has to be in the shop and they, and they happen to have a game on them, they're like, if they're dead as a doornail, I was like, sure, go play a game. We don't care. And mm-hmm. and you want to play a board game? Sure, go for it. And and it's pretty but a lot of shops operate very differently. Like in my area, like as one as interesting, like one comic shop I go to, it's like this like one thing in Nostalgia Inc., they have an they have an interesting thing where they have like the board they have they're like the first shop I ever went into that had gaming and comics all intertwined into one into one shop. And but then you go into Fairborn and and it's like it's like a small town just outside of Dayton, Ohio. And it's the comic shop is Garmongous. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, I know I made up the word here, but bear with it's me. Just it's just that fits. big, yeah. It's big. And like and it's gar it's Garmongous. It's like a giant like it's where all the new comics are, where all the old uh, pulp pulp books are all pop novels and so forth, movie posters, what have you, manga, whatever you would want. It's like one shop across the street because they have two storefronts across the street from each other. Across the street is where they have a dollar basement where all the comics and whatever else down there is a dollar. And they have old novels, paperbacks. They have like discounted graphic novels, I think they and they and then they have like gaming shops and they have like open gaming and they have like a downstairs basement where you can play games if you want to. So they <laughs> that's really cool. It's, Fair it's a and Fairborn's very sleepy. It is like the sleepiest little town like you would ever see, but yet here's this giant comic shop and here's another thing across the street that and and it's like and then you go and then it's like down in this area, like another comic shop that's a little bit smaller, uh, Future Great Comics, they have the guy actually is trying is is now an ordained minister, wow. so he's he's held he's held a wedding at a shop. <laughs> uh, anyone comics can also do your wedding. Oh, cool! There that, you go. Uh, that's a nice little. Yeah, if anybody out there wants to do a wedding, yeah, go hit, hit up that shop in New York. And if you want to go do a wedding, go bug Brian at Future Great Comics. He's ordained. He can he can marry you. <laughs> and you're in the Hamilton area. There's Hamilton, a wink Ohio. next door. We have catering. <laughs> I mean, it's like, and I, I'm just like, I, I just think when I when I heard that Brian was doing a wedding in his store, I went, 
Cause I, I, and I met the couple that got ma- that was getting married there and I caught up to them after I was uh, like, this is the most cute. wildest thing. I never thought I'd see in a comic shop, but this is really cool. Marriages in a that's, comic shop. That is yeah, like, that's certainly a way of like, uh, diversifying, <laughs> like diversifying your market in a way I would not have expected from a comic shop. It, and it did. Cause it, it fit, it works. I mean, it's, and again, it's like a lot of the comic shops around here, Southern Ohio is very, it's like I said, I was, ta- I talked a little bit, of, I talked about it last week in the well, last episode of that on the show that Southern Ohio has a comic shop for pretty much nearly every neighborhood you can imagine. And that's an anomaly. Like, that's, well, damn, that's crazy. it's almost any neighborhood. It's like, it's like you go in the Fairfield, like you go in the Fairfield, there's a comic shop and then you go into, <laughs> and then you go in and there's a comic shop. Then in Hamilton, there's another comic shop. You go into Mason, there's a comic shop. And it's like, and they're all been relatively decent. They're in relatively not that far, like pretty good driving, not that far driving distance either. I mean, like Fairfield and Mason, about half an no, hour cool. with traffic. I mean, that's not bad. I mean, it's like, and then like in Hamilton now, it's like two comic shops close to each other within like 20 minutes. And again, that's like kind of insane and it should not work. Like no comic shop should be like, and it's like, how in the world does you guys support so many comic shops? And it's like all the neighborhoods in this area are very similar and very different all at the same time. So So you have different, um, you have different books that you can offer. Um, Exactly. You can have one shop that does more of the pop, popular stuff, your Marvels, your DCs, your superhero stuff. Uh, Or you could have a shop that has a, good section of indie books um if i want my basic poll my marvels my dcs my image i can go to midtown um they have a location that's a 15 minute walk from my office in lower manhattan if i want good indie stuff i know i go to i go bother my buddy demetrios at anyone comics and he will like walk out with a stack of here's all all new indie books i'll leave spending more money than i probably intended <laughs> mm-hmm. but i know i can go to him for indie stuff that's cool it- and that's- so it's all and in addition to diversifying in terms of what you offer, um, game nights, um, coffee shop, um, arcade. Think about I always I, I think the shops that are successful know what their audience yeah, likes. Yeah. I think that's true. Oh yeah, and I think like the and more people, Matt, sorry, sorry um, the more like um, the more they get to know their audience as well. Like the more they can recommend stuff because I mean I always hear. Um, Big Bang Comics in Dublin, they've got like, um, they're always on Twitter. They've got a great kind of Twitter presence and they're really worth following um, if you don't follow them already. Um, but they're always talking about the fact that, you know, they have they have people coming to the shop that they, you know, they, they are either coming in and they know what they want. And so if they know what they want, they want like, so then they can be recommended new stuff or they get people the other end of the scale that come in and they go, oh, I, I saw... I saw such and such movie. Uh, I really liked it. What do you have? And they can recommend loads of other stuff for them as well. And I think that's that's the way to diversify your audience. You know, your audience's taste or your your kind of your your yeah your, your your crowd of people that usually come in. You can suggest kind of different things for different people. Um, and it you know there is as you say, Kate. There's everything out there. There's there is something out there for everyone. It's just about getting them in the right hands. Um, and that's where kind of the direct market is a gift and a curse at the same time because we wouldn't have the shops we have without the direct market. Mm-hmm. However, I do feel as though it does have a bit of mm-hmm. a 
I don't want to say stranglehold because that sounds a bit too ominous, but it does it does kind of limit the the audience to these books, um, like especially newer indie books, really. Um, but it is, you know, as you say, it's a double edged sword because yes. a lot of indie books wouldn't have the opportunity to be published at all if it weren't uh, for the system that we've got in place at the moment. But uh, exactly, yeah. And I can I kind of want to dive in. I kind of sorry. I I got to dive into this for a sec, but also it. And also another thing is a lot of these shops, like the owners that are doing really well are owners that are kind of being willing to, that are a lot more open-minded and, a, and also a lot and pretty, and pretty cool and pretty and very cooler and kind of also really, really wanting to drive home, like getting a more wider audience than just the old school comic heads. I mean, oh I mean, yes. And that's and those are shops that are really trying very hard to not just have the old school comic heads. They want, they want yeah. everyone, like no matter no matter no matter where, no matter who you are, no matter what sexuality you are, what what have you, they want you in there. They and they want they want to say, hey, we just want you in here. We want you to feel comfortable. We want you to feel relaxed. Like we we like I I remember one time I was talking to the guy. Uh, at Future Grade, and he said, I actually have a no politics rule in here because I just like, I, I know it'll start because I, and because I live in a relatively mm. conservative area, but it also had, but in the, but the area where he's at also does have a pretty strong, has a pretty strong liberal leaning presence too. Like it's sort of like a liberal pocket area of this area. So it's one of those. Yeah. Yeah. If we get into politics, we might have a fight. <laughs> Luckily, sometimes the you just have to agree to disagree. So that's why he actually put a no politics rule in his store because he said, "I know what will happen. I've I've been I've been around this area. It if if we get into a political discussion, it'll be it'll be a goofy times times affinity because and I've been in conservative leaning comic shops. I've been I used to I used to go to one that was very conservative leaning. In my and it was an interesting experience. I will, I cause, and it was interesting. We were talking about the, diver, the diversity in comics, the having diversity in comics mm-hmm. thing, and it's interesting. We're and I actually wanted to get into this when we started talking about Comics Gate, but it actually dives in the comic shops. But I remember when Captain Marvel, when she got her when her first series ended, and they got into her second series, and this one dude at at the shop I was going to the time got furious. He was ranting. And he's like, he was like, damn it. Captain Marvel's coming back as another series again. Carol Danvers isn't going to be back in her old uniform again, looking strong and sexy. Oh God. And I was like, <laughs> and you and, can't see me, but my eye, I'm like <laughs> rolling my eyes so far back in my head. I'm, my head hurts. And, and, and this is, this is interesting. And I've never told this story. I told it on Twitter before, but I've never actually told this in in um, like a podcast form before. So it's going to be very interesting to actually. And so, so this is I'm like, so I'm looking at him. I'm going, dude, what what's your problem? And he's and he's like, what Wes, you don't get it. You don't get it. It's like what, what what? It's like, <laughs> what and it's like what and it's like what and it's like well, women what? don't read comics what and i gave him a and he and he was like and then he's like what and then you talked to those girls you talked to on this is when i was starting this is when i was writing for i was writing for comics crux at the time and the site was 
very heavy on on very heavy on female writers. In fact, my favorite editor of all time to write for, who's like my sister, was yeah. is like was my editor at the time there. So yeah, I was you know, I was ready to go I was ready to go to blows with this boy if he was going to get really stupid. He, Listen, I'm from New Jersey. I work in New York City. I push past tourists on a daily basis. You put me on this guy, he probably would not have come out of the shop with with all his limbs intact. I would have loved you, and I probably would have I probably would have hailed you as a goddess. But and but yeah, I I it, so it, he basically he gave me a look, and and then and he was like, "Well, Wesley, those women are just, they're, they they don't get it. They're." They only read. They only read. Uh, they only read Sandman and Fables. At the time, Fables was the was that the book do Jordy like the and they saying they only read Sandman and Fables. They don't read anything else. And then my oh, and then God. my comic guy at the time was backing him up, and it was. <laughs> I just went. The fuck just yeah. happened here? And I was getting mad. And and this was and and it was like one of the few times I'd ever. And it was like I said. Oh my god! And and when and and at first it was like one of those things. This is when I was still relatively new to sort of like this culture of oh my god! As, I didn't know. And this was like way like in the early ten. So I was like, I don't like yeah. what the hell did I just witness here? And I went, oh my god! And then when they start when I started seeing it on Twitter, when I saw a discussion exactly like that on Twitter the other day, I went, oh my. Yeah. Oh sweet mother of mercy! It's that, com- com- it's that conversation. Yeah. And I think coming that's it, back isn't it? To- like it's it's basically like gatekeeping. Like the whole the whole thing com- boils down to just gatekeeping, doesn't it? Really, like the whole comics gate community, the whole diversity in comics community. That guy, like it's it, it's it's uh, basically it's it's people like. You know, mo- mo- listen to the podcast. I don't give a shit. Yeah, the story. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it's it's it's, it's people that are, I don't want to listen to the podcast. No, that, yeah, that it's, it's basically that. just people that are like want want it for them and don't want it for other people. So it's it's crazy. Hey, my mother taught me to share, so I share my comics with everybody, and I like seeing. <laughs> exactly. uh, I mean, there are times that I think as we go through, um, and I'll, I'll point to the doc. I'll go back to the Doctor Who announcement that. Um, that I think men uh, sometimes don't understand how significant some of these things are for women. Um, when mm. I was watching Twitter, when the trailer, now the trailer, I'll, I'll clarify, the trailer was not shown in the United States um, because we don't, because oh, um, it was shown after the M- Wimbledon men's finals, which are shown on a commercial cable channel here in the States. Right. So I was relying on the internet for this. And I'm scrolling, and I'm scrolling, and I'm seeing people shouting, it's a girl, it's a girl. And <laughs> back of my head's like, all right, let's just wait until so- like the BBC confirms it. And when they did, I was in tears. Yeah. Because yeah. this is somebody who looks like me. And to boot, she's a phenomenal actress. It's the same thing when I saw... Oh, I thought that was... Uh, and it was the same thing when I saw Wonder Woman. When you saw that logo at the end of the screen, I was in tears in the theater. Yeah, because this is somebody who looks like me. I have African American friends who went to see Black Panther and cried the entire time. Yeah, I have friends that also saw Black Panther every single day that opening weekend. <laughs> well, plenty of people did. It's like a billion dollar grossing movie. At the I've moment. seen it twice. I've seen it twice already. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's such a. I haven't seen it yet because I got sick during when it was when it was all going down. So like, like it, it was sort of like. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet because the person I see it with, my dad got sick, 
then then after that i then my dad then i got yeah. sick and you gotta go yeah, see it dude I, it's really I have, good i want to yeah. see it yeah. it's just, I got, the timing all it's like it all like dovetailed into like terrible timing of it's like damn you flu yeah. i i'm actually shaking my fist in rage right now you know? <laughs> I have never seen, we went opening, we have a small theater chain in my part of Connecticut. Um, We have gone to movies at any time of day or night, and sometimes we are literally the only people in the theater. Cool. It took three tries for us to get seats, because we have, um, our theaters are all reserved seating now, to get for Black Panther opening weekend. And it was still packed. And this was nine o'clock on a Sunday night. See, that's cool because, like, I I love watching films where I'm not a huge fan of going to the cinema. Like, I, I go, I enjoy going and I enjoy watching the films and they come out. But, like, sometimes it's you, you, you roll the dice when it comes to sharing this experience with a whole room full of strangers. You know, you kind of think, well, I could have a bad experience, could have a good experience. And um, I went to see Black Panther in the cinema. I think it was um, a few days after the opening weekend, so like Monday or Tuesday. Um, and I went to see it with a buddy of mine um, from, um, you know, I've known him for years, but we only ever really meet up when when there's a new movie out at the moment. Um, and um, we went to see it and it was a packed uh, packed cinema, like loads of um, loads of people um, like kind of crammed into it. We had people next to us, sat next to us. Uh, and it's again, it's a busy cinema, but it's never normally that packed. And um, And people were kind of cheering and talking and laughing at the right times and kind of gasping at the right times and um and they all came out of the cinema like kind of you could hear people quoting it you could hear loads of like you could hear loads of groups of people like kind of uh, barking or like howling like umbaku was and like i just i love that and i thought that that's so cool like they're all just kind of instant come out instantly buzzing instantly kind of quoting the movie straight away and it's just like it's such a good experience such a positive experience of being in the cinema um, it also helped that this, while this was a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, it wasn't some one where you had to know a butt ton of backstory. Yeah, yeah. Um, Avengers: Infinity War, I think, will do phenomenal. Hmm. But you're gonna most most people are gonna have to go in knowing a bit about where the MCU is at that point. But Black Panther was self-contained enough that people who maybe weren't you know hadn't seen every marvel movie yeah could or could go and just enjoy it for the fact that it was a beautifully done film yeah and that was also that was part of the appeal releasing it during black history month here in the united states Mm -hmm. during a slow time for films in general february really all those factors played into the fact that why it's still breaking box office records yeah the mouse is happy. The mouse is very, very happy. We please our corporate overlords. <laughs> the, and Disney and, and Marvel slash Disney has realized this and they've moved Deadpool up. No, they moved um, – forgive me. They've moved Avengers Infinity War up a week. Let's us all thank Robert Downey Jr. Oh, yeah. So yeah. that the movie can breathe on its own and then, of course, let Deadpool 2 breathe on its own. Let the Han Solo, the, the, uh, the Star Wars prequel breathe on its yeah. own. Yeah, and, and I think that's it. I think what they need to, what they need to do is learn the right lessons from this, which is that you know the the two two of the biggest selling superhero movies of the last few years were Wonder Woman and Black Panther, that both um, that both um, uh, crack an audience that they that 
you know, producers have notoriously said, oh, that, that doesn't sell tickets. You know, like women don't sell superhero tickets. Would that change? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and oh, yes. That's it. Oh, my it? gosh. And I, and I love, love, love the fact that this is such a, a happy, not a happy ending because this is just the start, but it, like it's kind of of that era i hopefully that's kind of the end of that now where people go oh yeah no female superheroes don't sell tickets or like you know black superheroes don't sell tickets you know we've we have voted with our feet you know we voted with our wallet and we've we've proven that that is just an outright lie it's just waiting for the right movies to come along Mm -hmm. exactly wonder woman is carrying the dc cinematic universe right now sorry i thought justice league kind of stunk and i fell asleep during part of it (laughs) it was funny like matt saw it like i saw it um i saw justice league and i was probably one of the few people i i i fully say i liked I, I, it's like it's kind of like becoming one of the movies that i did say i i liked it i did have fun but i then now i'm adding more butts to it as time goes on it's like but, but hmm. that that movie is even watchable is sort of like a minor miracle <laughs> It, it should not even and of course started the the glorious online conspiracy of release the Snyder cut which is the wonderful wonderful conspiracy that I never get sick of seeing on my timeline every single day guys yeah. Snyder cut's not gonna happen sorry but uh, it's but it's like but it's one of those things with Justice League where when you read the behind the scenes of it of yeah, we wanted to get this out like within like the, like the last quarter of the year, we want to get it out. Like we want to get it out. It's like, you guys probably should wait. Maybe you guys should wait a little bit longer. No, we got to get it out. Okay. And, (laughs) and, and that, and that's why I say it's a minor miracle. That movie is even watchable because when you read behind the scenes of it and what went down, it's like, Oh, and, and 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 I just love. I mean, I love every conspiracy theory I have read about the DCEU. Because, and I don't go actively searching for it. Bless you, Twitter. You guys do it for me because I see, <laughs> I see your tweets, and I, I go, oh, and it's like I don't even. It's like I don't even go searching for this hashtag. It's just like, oh my lord, it appears in my hat at least once a day or what, like once every couple days or so. I suddenly think has released a Snyder Cut hashtag. No, no. Somebody needs to build one of those websites that says, like, has the Snyder Cut been released yet? And you just click on it and it's like, yes or no. <laughs> there is a site apparently that's like, is Mercury in retrograde.com? And it, you just go there and it says, yes, Mercury is in retrograde. No, it isn't. <laughs> yeah. Now, my biggest problem with Justice League as a heterosexual woman is that there was a distinct lack of Jason Momoa. <laughs> I did not have enough Jason Momoa in that movie. I wanted more Jason Momoa. And I'm really, and I'm, that's why I'm really happy we're getting an Aquaman movie. Yeah. By the way, I'm so freaking excited for the Aquaman movie because that movie is going to be cool as hell. <laughs> that just the fact Jason that there Momoa is, is so. When he said, when when Jason Momoa said, "My man," I'm like, Jason, you are the cool. You are so fucking cool. Okay, I <laughs> I, I officially want this Aquaman movie because you have R.I.P. Cal Drogo. <laughs> I, I will I will Cal Cal Drogo, brother. You you got me, man. I I, I will follow you, Aquaman. You are my king now. You rock. Um, since I've mentioned Game of Thrones, I'll just pivot back to this idea of getting back to comics as actual comic <laughs> books. Um, 
Although I do love this tangent that we've taken. Well, it's this very show important. might as well be called tangents. Um, it's, it's, we, we always just go Matt and I have gotten so many tangents on this show between, and at least every guest gets into one tangent with us. So it's sort of like tradition now. <laughs> yeah, it's good. We're happy with that. When I think about where comics are going, I notice that there are so many properties um, from other medium that are media that are being adapted into comics. Yeah. Game of Thrones is uh, being serialized. Clash yeah. of Kings <laughs> is being serialized. Uh, one of my favorite comic series that I, well, except for maybe the last two issues that I sang the praises over at Multiversity was when Hard Case Crime serialized the Millennium Trilogy. Oh yes, except yeah. that last those last that last book was a hot mess. Mm. And they had done now. There was a graphic novel of the Millennium Trilogy, um, two thousand something or other, but this was actually serialized, and it really brought it out to a whole new medium. Um, I found things. I had read the books. I've seen all three Swedish ad- adaptations of the film. I've seen that thing that they try to call the American adaptation of the film, yes, yeah. where I openly cursed at my significant other in the theater, and he told me to. <laughs> Whoa. Um, the reason I did no, not for anything he did. <laughs> Um, he, there was a, if you've seen the, um, if you've read the books and you've seen the Swedish films, there is a significant change in the American version that caught me off guard so much. We're watching it in the theater. I turned to my boyfriend and said, what the fuck? <laughs> and he's like, Shh, we're not, we're not at home where you can get away with this. We're at your mother's house. Ha- we're in your mother's town in Florida. They're more conservative down here. <laughs> but that brought, but I found things that I had not remembered from the books. Mm. Um, uh, there are also properties, uh, movie and TV shows that are coming back to comics. Um, Big Trouble in Little oh, yes. China. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, as a child of the early '90s, I love that Boom brought back Rugrats. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I'm that. That's a and Rocco's Modern Life. And not and made Rugrats contemporary. If you've read this, if you, I, if I don't know who either of you have read the series, but it's yeah. But I now the, need the parents have smartphones now. Oh wow! Okay, so it's all you, like brought up today. You see drones. You see them trying to use their smartphones and technology to keep track of the babies, and it really for you know it's something fun for kids to read. But fun for their parents to read with them if they're of my age, where they remember watching the original Rugrats cartoons on yeah, TV. Yeah. So there is something, again, I go back to this, one of the, the laws of library science, every reader, his book, every book, his yeah. reader. And that's the beauty of comics is that you don't have to just stick with the superheroes. You'll find something. Well, there was a whole like era, like in the eighties and nineties, uh, early nineties, where almost every movie that was kind of, of blockbuster or action or action-packed kind of movie had a comic book adaptation and like <laughs> i love finding those in like dollar bin like dollar yeah. bins are like kind of like what we call just kind of like back issue bins where it's basically just like there's 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 comic book adaptations of the weirdest movies and you just think why has that got a movie adaptation and you just think oh wow i, I need to read that now it's great matt i gotta i i, I own the double dragon series <laughs> yeah I own that. Blaine McDuffie See, actually wrote that series. That's actually kind of awesome. Oh, wow. And yeah, I was going to say, that sounds It's like a six-issue well, issue series. Um, uh, Tom Rainey did the first few issues of it. Um, like Mike Mignola did the comic book adaptation of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. 
for um, so it was for like, tops if I remember correctly. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, so the comic book like it wasn't called this, but it was like Mike Mignola's Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just kind of falling, falling down a rabbit hole. I'll 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 send y'all down some rabbit holes for a second here. Um, then um, there's um there is a comic there is this weird like superhero show that was on ABC in like the in like the eighties and and it was like and there was a comic character named Captain Justice and they released like two issues of it through Marvel Comics and oh, I think wow. it was like Once Upon a Hero or something like that it, it's like it only aired like six episodes on ABC in like like the late eighties. And they released like two issues of it through Marvel. Um, there, there was an animated series called Defenders of Dinatron City that aired a pilot on Fox that got a six-issue miniseries and a, and a Nintendo game. And and that's the only reason why I own it is because Steve Purcell of Sam and Max fame wrote it. And yeah. and I love Steve Purcell because Steve Purcell is the freaking man, and I love Sam and Max to pieces. And and. Let's see. There's a few other weird, like Chuck Norris Karate Commandos. You that yeah. that was a comic series. Got like six. It got like six issues and then done. Sectors. I mean, Inhumanoids got like four issues. Visionaries got like think six. Got six issues. I mean, yeah, it's sort of like a weird period, of like in the eighties and nineties, where you're right. If it was a TV show, animated series, or or movie, yeah. it got a movie adaptation, and you're just sort of like. Why? Like, I got a Street Fighter. I got Street Fighter adaptation that DC did, like a one what shot. I love, what I love about that era, and, and like <laughs> this is like the very definition of guilty pleasure, is the fact <laughs> that like I've got such a I've got such a fondness for this crazy kind of um, adaptation fever that they got because there was like Street Fighter the movie was based on the game, and then wasn't there a Street Fighter the movie the game? Yes. And then there was a game based on the movie based on the game. And then there was a yep. book based on the movie based on the game. And it's just like they, yep. they have to adapt it into different into different kind of formats. And you and hold on to your seats because I saw on the news today, Street Fighter is being adapted into a TV show. Oh, it is. Yeah, I saw that as well. Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no uh, network or streaming service attached to it. Although if my gut says Netflix, I do not see this going on American network television at all, but Hey, if they, prove yeah. me wrong. If they want to make it as violent as they, as they, I'm sure that fans would want it to be, then it would probably have to be like it's Netflix or something. Game. There's only so violent you're going to get with it. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then again, they've done some bonkers stuff with street. Cause I, I remember, like Street Fighter, they did a they did the Street Fighter comic series through Malibu in like the '90s, and then there was a Street, and then Udon did a Street did the Street Fighter series. In fact, Udon is the official like art one of the official art people that Capcom uses for a lot for a lot of their like art books and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So. That's a, and the um, and, the one last thing I'll say about like comic adaptations or adaptations of movies in in different genres. Um, have you have any of you guys um, heard about the digital book that Ryan North wrote, which was um, based on um, Back to the Future? So he did a um, he did a basically it was a it's a digital book you can buy on Amazon for like um, well you can buy it for like two ninety nine here so it's probably like three or four dollars in America. Um, but you can buy it and it's called, um, I can't remember what it's called, but it's, it's, I think it's just called BTTF and it's, it's a, it's like a, a comic book. It's a, it's a book that is a commentary track based on an analysis of the novelization of back to the future. 
um, because apparently the back, the original Back to the Future novelization is so bonkers that, that Ryan North saw it and read it and was like, I need to write a book about this. So he's got like a whole book that That's analyzes the, the novelization of Back to the Future. Um, and it's, it's brilliant. It's really good. It's, it's typical kind of Ryan North humor. So like really kind of Squirrel Girl, Dinosaur Comics kind of humor to it. Um, but it's just the fact that he's written a book about a book about a film um is is just brilliant my head hurts just from you saying that <laughs> just yeah. so you know it's hard to kind of get your head around okay then i'm and and the, and this is in, and i'll put, i'll say my final one last thing because this is like another obscuro bomb from the from from wesley's weird brain of tv and comic knowledge colliding together but <laughs> seriously one of my my friend laura listens to the podcast and she said wes you know a lot of random weird stuff I'm yeah, like that is true. Yeah. Yes, I, I own this. I, <laughs> I, my, I, I have like a knowledge. I have a library of useless knowledge in my brain that's just waiting to be unleashed at any. Oh, we are kindred spirits, and I've got a story for you. Once we're done recording, just because it has nothing to do with comics. <laughs> hey, I think you and I are going to get along. Are going to get along just fine. <laughs> so, but it's but it's going to be so. I so what happened was so this is interesting. Bob Newhart did a series in the early '90s called Bob, and he I a remember com- that. And he did a comics, and he was in, in at least in the first season, he was a comic artist, and and he was and he had this character Mad Dog, and Marvel released a comic book series that based around this character Mad Dog, and in the in the show they also wanted him to extreme up the uh, <laughs> the character, so they had two different versions of mad dog they had a flip book so you had the more traditional fun happy-go-lucky adventures of mad dog as a superhero and then you had the extreme adventures on the other side of the of the comic and i have like one issue of it because surprisingly it's not something you find in back you find an issue one all the time like i can find you issue one of mad dog in any back issue bin like in random places if if you really took me the task to, I can probably find you it somewhere. It's like somewhere it's like someone goes, I'm going to have price books. And like, like, where is it? There's a mad dog. Number one, how does this appear here? I don't know. It's just here. <laughs> and, but the rest of the series, you never see because It's just like this weird, like, <laughs> I don't know. It's from the early nineties and no one knows what the heck it yeah. is. And it's like only the only people who would really want it. It's just people who are weirdly wanting or like, this weird as hell like i am who like collecting this weird license shit and we because i and because believe me i'm the one who goes hunt down who hunts down old marvel novels i'm the one that goes hunt down oddball license stuff because some because i hear hey steve purcell did this Avengers dinatron city thing i want to own that because steve purcell writes it hey double dragons winner by dwayne mcduffie sweet i'm gonna own that yeah. now and i can fire for like a buck a pop and or 25 cents i mean and so it's really weird. Like the Mad Dog thing was one of the things I found the first issue of, and I was like, "What the hell?" Yeah. I, okay, I, I might as well. I was like, and and the guy sold it to me for like a buck because he said, "I'm never going to sell it to anybody. You're the only one who ever want this. So here, here's a buck." <laughs> and I pretty much and yeah. have it. So I have it for a buck. Giving you money to take it. Off it and then and then if you really want it, and I'll give you one. What was the one oddball little thing? And also pen. And also if you're one. There's also Star Trek and X-Men crossover comics out there. and Oh, yeah, yeah. They're brilliant. You, oh, oh, brilliant in a kind of bad way. But and yeah, it's like there's Star Trek X-Men and there's a Star Trek The Next Generation 
and X-Men books that are out there. But nobody does Voyager, and that's the show I grew up watching in college. I'm amazed. They the- never- yeah. I think the license ran out with Marvel did- when they before Voyager could ever could ever get a crossover. No, Marvel Marvel did do some Voyager comics. They did like about thirteen or fourteen. They never did okay. I remember collecting them. <laughs> yeah, they did. They did. Um, they they had like one crossover between because at the time Marvel was doing um they was doing a series they was doing a next generation comic they were doing a Voyager comic they did like um they had like a Starfleet Academy one as well which yeah, is what I we're talking about and then they had like early voyages or something which was um which was about kind of Christopher Pike and all that kind of earlier stuff um and then they did like a big kind of crossover which was like telepathy war. Um, which was this huge kind of um, like crossover event that I think they did as well. I'm amazed though they didn't. That Marvel had that license. They didn't think, hey, let's do a Star Trek Voyager X Men crossover just so we can have all all the all these series like all these different series have a weird crossover. And yeah, well the the X Men the the Next Generation X Men crossover was called Second Contact, and it was um, and like I remember picking it up at the time because it was like just sat on the comic book shelf and i was like this looks wild and i picked it up and the 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 the, the blurb at the front of the issue basically says um that it describes the plot of star trek first contact the movie and then and then says at the end of the blurb it says it is one minute later and so it's like literally a minute after the movie ends they they run into the x-men <laughs> it's just like these guys haven't even slept <laughs> they haven't even changed clothes like they've just gone back in time and fought the borg and now they've got to like meet the X-Men. And that's like literally, why does it have to be exactly a minute later? It's crazy. And surprisingly, it's a little, it's a little, it's tough. It's kind of tough to find nowadays because. Yeah, but I it is actually, see, yeah. And, and also there is a next, there's also a, a next generation and X-Men novel they did. I'm going to have to check more. I have Marvel Unlimited. I'm going to have to check and see if these are on there. Yeah, check because I don't know. Um, I don't know, like licensing wise, whether they whether they can like reprint or reprint them or digital like digital distribute them or something. But like, there's there's crazy like because um, is it IDW that has Star Trek at the moment? Correct. The IDW so, has Star Trek. Yeah, because yeah, they've done a Star Trek Doctor Who crossover, um, which I haven't read. But that was um, it was something about it was Next Generation and uh, Matt Smith's Doctor. And they crossed over. Yeah, and like they they did it in a really clever way because the Cybermen and the Borg teamed up, and it's just like, yeah, that 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 makes really works. (laughs) I like that. And they definitely. And they and that was when IDW had the uh, Doctor Who license. Is when they did those sort of those oddball like those cross those crossover stories, and. Yeah, because um, it's Titan that yeah, has Doctor Who now, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. And I'll say this about I as I love Doctor Who, I but the comics and I have had a love hate relationship, and I think it's just the, the Titan numbering throws me off. And I understand they're renumbering everything. Oh, they are. And I'm hoping, I, I think so. I, and I could have read this wrong. So they're doing like a they're doing the equivalent of Marvel's Fresh Start, but they're not canceling everything in the middle. <sighs> and I thinking. Maybe I'll try again. I tried there. They had like a doctor, a big multi-issue Doctor Who thing late last year, and I was like, "This is perfect. This is jump on friendly." But it was like, "Well, you read two books of the Doctor, this jump on series, and you have to go find like a tenth Doctor year three book, and then an eleventh Doctor year two book." And I'm like, "Yeah, all right, that's confusing, and that's taking my brain cells away from important stuff <laughs> like my job." Yeah. So no thanks. It's collected. It, it it is collected now though. I actually it 
I actually can, I actually saw it in my library the other day. I I actually need change point to get that, but the they have that collected in the Cybermen series. They did they did a Cybermen crossover series with all because they they published a different series for like all the different doctors. They did one for Paul McGann's doctor. They did one for for her for Eccleston's doctor. They did a series for for like oh or uh freaking John Park. They did a Pertwee's doctor. They did. They did a lot. They, they were doing Doctor Who series almost every time. Yeah, like, they were quite good at that. How many? That's not surprising to Pertwee because Sean Pertwee's on Gotham. Yeah, and John and John Pertwee did, and they did think jump. They did up, and they did, and it's funny. I was like, huh? They did a John Pertwee, uh, and then they did, and then, and then they did. Uh, oh, they did. They started doing like all. They suddenly had all these Doctor Who series coming. I was like. How many Doctor Who's are they going to cover? Because this is actually kind of wild. How many Doctor Who's? Because you would think they only would do like like the ones from the new series, but then they oh no they yeah. they went for it. And I'm like I well there's there's generations that remember the PBS years where you had Tom Baker, and there's now a streaming service yes. in the U.S. called BritBox, which I believe was created by the BBC and ITV, and they have the oh. exclusive U.S. streaming rights to classic Doctor Who. Oh, wow, that's cool. That's who got it. Oh, yeah, you should definitely get on that then. Yeah, yeah. That's who got the clock. Because they, they had a selection of it on Netflix at one point, but they never did like yeah. complete it. Yeah, that they have... And it's pretty much what is available in terms of what the BBC has had. Because in the 60s and 70s, they wiped tapes. And there's mm. been some that I think that have come out that they've, put some, they've found tapes stored in like Africa, or they've yes, been able to yeah. reanimate certain portions. But... Um, it's there is an exclusive U.S. streaming home, and it's nice because I there were some of those classic ones that I used to watch that they had streaming on Netflix that I would watch all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, those those old episodes are wild. Like some of those, I've got like such a fond nostalgia for some of those seasons. Like mine mostly were like the Tom Baker years. I remember watching and the um, Sylvester McCoy stuff. I remember watching as well, like the Seventh Doctor. Yes. So. Um, yeah, so there were some good ones. They're worth kind of tracking down. Like, I think they haven't fared very well, but then I'm like, I still love the Doctor Who movie, like the Paul McGann movie. I still think that's great. So, you know, maybe I'm not the best judge of what is quality and what is not quality <laughs> when it comes the to. The Oddball Doctor Fox. Who. Yeah. The Oddball Fox TV movie that they were going to try to get Doctor that's Who to, to be a big thing in America, and it just didn't quite. Mm work as well as fox was hoping it was going to go over the beginning of america taking british things and ruining them <laughs> that, that. A, long, a, a, a strong tradition <laughs> a very it's, we do it yeah. so well we really do do it pretty well ask us about life on mars sometime oh, wow, but yeah. or a coupling cut old i i couldn't even i wasn't even going to deal with t- coupling i i i, I saw a lot a new these bit of the british one and i went oh this is not too bad and then i went the american version i think i watched like one episode i went um peace we, we <laughs> yeah. good i i'd be afraid if like the americans would have gotten a hold of like black books or or like if we would have gotten hold of black books because like, they tried to do red dwarf and i tried to watch like some of that pilot one time oh I wow went, i didn't know they did that Ooh. oh yeah they did and then we took uh an instant of uh getting off comics and sci-fi and uh sci-fi for a second but we kind of took the great british bake-off and mm. ruined it oh yeah we did we did we did a dang good job of that we 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 oh. pretty brilliantly did a good job of that. Go big or go home. <laughs> we did because like the guy because like wait, they they brought like they put like some of the people from the from the uh, British Bake Off 
Bake Off show, and they brought and they did it for the American version, and then like, and then like, and then like this season, they found out the guy was like, was like, they found out he was a sexual harasser, and then it's like, well, we're done with this show forever, and. And I'm surprised that networks still try that because you have there's ways you can watch source material legally and less than legally, I'll say. Um, Mm -hmm. For example, PBS here in the States runs the or would run um, Great British Bake Off. We call it the Great British Baking Show because British Bake Off is copyrighted for Pillsbury. But they would show the BBC what was on the BBC. I don't know if they're running the new version that's I think on Channel 4 in the UK. Um, Coupling is a great example of this because at the time BBC America was becoming popular as a cable network and PBS here in the States would run the British comedies. So I'd like watch coupling on my PBS station and then I bring it on America and it didn't come out right, but (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So on behalf of America, Matt, I'm really sorry. (laughs) That's fine. We we really, I, 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 because by the way, the early days of BBC America were a lot of fun because they were, they played some really weird, wonderful deep cut to British television in between. Like that's why I saw Blackadder for the first time. And I, I am amazed. Like, like there's some shows I go because and I, I watched Blackadder and then they played and how I got into watching this was thanks to my mom and like EastEnders used to air on BBC on BBC America so my mom and I would watch be- like EastEnders and my mom got <laughs> me into watching EastEnders yeah. so that that was a thing and that happened and and then I got and well well what what was it? Matt and I once had a joke that I think I watch more British TV than he does because I watched oh like, yeah yeah. I watched like Midsummer Murders and and um. Keep and there's so many streaming services this now could, that have like, this, the classic and the that have the classic sitcoms, um, and they're just so they were they are in some extent still very prevalent on public television here. Yeah, and they they do yeah. still do the rounds on British on on British TV as well. Like we've got um a couple of channels kind of dedicated to it, like cable channels. So we've got like UK TV Gold, which is basically it's just all it exclusively does is old british tv shows um and so it's it's kind of running like only fools and horses if you've heard of that one and um keeping appearances and blackadder and loads of old comedies and things like last of summer wine i still watch that whenever it airs on like the weekends here normally on on pbs and then then it's like but still keep up appearances as time goes by um waiting for god um vicar of dibley um yeah gosh there's like i i like, and it's weird because they all feel like shows that are quintessentially british like you can't really imagine remaking those for an american audience but like you can't i can't imagine because red dwarf i see is like such a stereotypically british show that i can't imagine them even attempting to remake it for american audiences but uh, that must have been a really crazy pilot. <laughs> it, it, it's a weird pilot. I watched like a little bit of it. And it is a weird, like Jane Leaves is like the voice of the computer. Oh, wow. She's a- yeah. Well, the, Amer- the American trend now is don't remake shows from other countries. Just reboot something that ended 20 years ago. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will actually give you a quick funny story involving how my mom got into Doctor Who. Because it's like the only, like, my, my mom does not really watch sci-fi. She doesn't really watch superhero stuff. But the one season of Doctor Who she really got into was 
David Tennant's Doctor Who. My my mom loved the David Tennant period of Doctor Who to pieces. Like like Matt Smith a little bit, Peter Capaldi. She it she was just sort of like I it pushed her limits pretty hard because like I I cannot get into but David Tennant was like the one that that clicked with her. Like that was the one that I could get like she got into because because any other sci-fi fantasy is sort of like she'll watch it and go, I'm good. Nope. Nope. Like, but that day <laughs> can watch it. She can still watch it, rewatch it to this day. I mean, yeah. And that just shows the popularity of stuff that we may have been made fun of watching as kids. I'm assuming I'm going to go on the assumption. We're all at least Gen X. Yep, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm about, I'm thir- I turned 37 this year. So, you're Gen X. Mm. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think they've redefined me as a Xennial or something stupid like that. You're but, Gen X. Yeah, You're probably because I'm Xennial as well. Anyway, yeah. so things that we were probably made would have been made fun of watching now are so popular. Yeah, um, yeah. My sister knows nothing about comics outside what I tell her. She loves Baby Group, and I blame <laughs> all the commercials for Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and all that had Baby Groot in them that she would see yeah. on TV. And she's like, I love Baby Groot. Baby Groot's so cute. And I'd be like, you know, we have it on DVD if you want to borrow No, I don't want to say. I just like Baby Groot. <laughs> well, it, it, it and it's crazy. great that we are that, again, we may have been made fun of as, ki- you know, we were kids reading comic books that the next generation won't have to deal with that, exactly. which is great. Yeah. Like, when I got back in the, when, when I was like, when, like, I was like, I used like I never really got made fun of for watching sci-fi because I grew up around a lot of people who watched sci-fi. So it was sort of like you watch, like I watched Next Generation. I watched, I watched Babylon Five. Of course, I mostly got people going, "What the hell is Babylon 5? But, and and I got a, I got a lot of that as 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 time went on. Until recently, Babylon Five got a resurgence of popularity. But it, but it was sort of like, but anyway but it's like but it's funny like when i got back in the comics in the late 90s i got made fun of hard like even in like late teens people were like what the hell like why are you doing getting back in the comics again you're that's stupid that's dumb and then and then and then iron man happened Mm -hmm. i think and then suddenly the tide turned and we're like oh wow Wes, i heard you're in the comic books that's really Mm -hmm. cool that's really cool now. I can point it to the MCU movies bringing, making superheroes and comics cool again. Yeah. I think that's true. I think they definitely did. Like, especially the whole making them cool part, because there's been comic book movies out there, like the X-Men and, and Spider-Man and Blade, um, but they were still very much kind of, they had their audience. It was very niche back then, and now it's now it's not so much. No. And that, for me, that's yeah. a good thing. Oh, I love it. And oh, absolutely. Like when you yeah, watch, yeah. like when you see like how, like when X-Men hit, when the first X-Men movie hit, it was like, whoa, my mind blow. And it's like, no, no one knew quite what to make of it. And then X-Men 2 hit like, wow, this is, this is actually starting to pick up. And then like Blade, and then you had like, it was like Blade, X-Men, all these sort of movies hit. And it was like set the stage for, and, and by the way, weird thing, I actually found, I recently found like in, like an old like X Men um, promo book for for the for Toys R Us that was like someone sold to a half price that I got for like a dollar fifty recently, which is like the weirdest oddball like <laughs> X Men thing I ever yeah. have. But but it's interesting. It was interesting. Like like when it, but now it's like but now from the days when like those movies are coming out, we're kind of like not sure quite what to make, and it's like it, they did really well. Now it's like we have superhero films that have made 
billions of dollars. They've yeah. they've made yeah. metric buck bucket tons of money, and people are like, "Oh, the superhero craze is going to die out." It's not. No, it's not. It's not. It's now. Shut up, Jodie Foster. <laughs> Jodie Foster. Yeah. Would, you don't know anything. Would, there are some people who would be like, "It's going to die out." No, it's not. It's it's just going to. Yeah. It's, it's part. Of, it's part of the universe now. I mean, I mean, heck, like on TV, one of the most tailor made for TV things ever. Like freaking Astro City is going to be make going to be is work that we're going on a TV oh, series yeah. for that now. And I'm like, well, took them long enough for somebody to finally realize, hey, you know what? We can make this TV yeah. show. Like, if they do that right, that's going to be brilliant. Really, that, and that's when that. I wonder. That's when I want think. And I will say, I've, I haven't read Astro City, but I think that's going to be one where I could see that working on network TV. Oh yeah, it's yeah. I could see it a Fox. I can't. I could see it on ABC, possibly. Um, I can't see it on the other two commercial. I can't see it on the other networks. Or I could see it going to a pay TV like a Stars, um, an, a- an HBO. I could see it even filling in on AMC because I'll. If you've read our reviews of Walking Dead. <laughs> I love Greg. I think he is the best hate watcher of any TV show I've ever seen. And <laughs> let me tell you, I look forward to writing those tweets on Mondays when he puts his posts his review. They are very good. Yeah. <laughs> um, we can all agree that I think we can all agree that Walking Dead is getting long in the tooth. Hmm. Um, it's getting to a point where I think some of the actors have had success outside of the ser- the show, and they want to try other things. Yeah, I think. Oh yeah, it's on cruise control. Um, Preacher has uh, done very well. Fear the Walking Dead has done very well. I think it's we've got we can slide in another comic book adaptation show on AMC, and I think it'll it I think it'll do well, and I think it will do what Walking Dead did, which was outdraw the mm. NFL on some yeah, nights, which is, which is crazy. I would love it because I was I was funny because Walking Dead's now on autopilot. It's sort of like it, it's funny because when you like it's though it was it's really funny watching it's really funny though with preacher because it, it my dad it my dad was raised baptist and it's really funny my dad watching preacher <laughs> it's it's a ride i uh, it is a ride he's like like when he saw when he saw the uh when when he saw the um the descendant of christ and he was like he saw he was like he saw the it's like he saw he was like he saw Humperdue, and I was like, "Oh Lord, we're getting Humperdue." Uh, and my dad saw Humperdue, and he was like, "His eyes were like, hmm. what? His eyes were like, why?" See, I've not watched any. Um, he just I've not watched any preacher, and I've, I'm I'm about three or four episodes behind on Walking Dead as well. But like me and my wife watch Walking Dead. We used to watch it religiously, and we watched it. Um, you know, every week it came out, we watched it. Um, but at the moment, we watched the first. I think we watched the first two episodes of this season. Um, and since then, we've just, like, it's been there. It's been recorded and ready and waiting for us, but we've just not got around to watching it. And I just don't think we've been um, we've been bothered, really. Yep. And I think that's a shame because, yep. like, I think a lot of people feel that. For my boyfriend, for my boyfriend, Walking Dead was appointment television, mm-hmm. um, as well as Talking Dead, which I don't, do you, I don't know if you get the post yes, yeah. okay you do get talking dead in the uk mm-hmm. that was appointment television and over the past i'd say year it went from well i'll watch walking dead live and maybe i'll watch talking dead later to now it's like yeah i'll watch it eventually mm. yeah Which, it's, it's just same. there 
it's on. Mm-hmm. It's Walking. It's like Walking Dead still does really. Walking Dead still does really well ratings wise, but and it can cruise on these ratings for another couple years easy, because as long as the ratings don't keep sliding sliding further and further down the way. Yeah, it's still a it's, it's like, still a juggernaut, isn't it? Really, it's still like a huge thing. Yeah, it still does. In the states, if it if it keeps outdrawing um, the NFL on Sundays, and the NFL pretty much owns Sundays in America mm-hmm. during football season, um, AMC will be happy because that's a feather in their cap that they are outdrawing in a the one of the biggest American sports out yeah. there. Yeah, it's it's strange. Did I hear about um, like the Walking Dead the comic? Is that is that drawing to a close or is that that still- is ending from what I understand? Yeah. But it, I don't think that there's not. I don't think there's a specific end point that like um, oh. Epi- um, issue 200 is going to be the last issue but I think and I don't read the comic let me be clear so mm. I may be wrong but I think from what I've read there's coming to an end game yeah I'm quite far so behind on that as well I think I'm probably I I think I, I didn't exactly switch to the trades but like I whenever there was like a sale or something I'd buy all the issues and things um, and now that like yeah. um, I think since I, I don't think I've read Walking Dead must be in about 18 months because I remember when I first started writing for Multiversity thinking oh now I get like we get preview issue review copies of all comics like I, I can start getting back into Walking Dead again um, and I've just um, and I've, I've not even I don't even know if we get the review copies of Walking Dead like I've not even bothered checking so I'm at least I'm at least a year to 18 months behind at this point we don't by the way but, uh, I, I've lost my we don't no I didn't think we did yeah, actually you have to re- I think you have to, like to request it but it's but it's weird with Walking Dead that I I stopped I was like right around when the Negan stuff hit I kind of zoned out and I just said with Walking Dead I was like mm-hmm. and what's funny is like I know it's someone because people go West how behind on Walking Dead I'm like don't even ask <laughs> it's like I don't even know anymore I and I said spoil me and it's like are you sure you want just spoil me I don't care I I I'll catch up eventually and and they tell me what's happening and. Thing in the comics is like when when the Negan stuff hit, that's when a lot of viewers just went, just decided, and Negan and then the Glenn fake outs and mm-hmm. and then it became the equivalent of of yeah anyone gets offended by swearing here I'm sorry I've already swore a couple times this episode but the it became <laughs> the equivalent of fuck this shit I'm out because a lot of people said fuck this shit I'm out I can't take yeah. it anymore I don't I'm I'm done with Negan I'm sick of Negan and. Heck, it's funny. My dad watches Walking Dead, and it's like I'm so tired of Negan. Someone kill Negan. Can Negan die already? I am so done with Negan. Yeah. And someone just shoot Negan. And like, my, I'm not kidding. My dad says that at least once, at least once an episode. <laughs> my wife was like, exactly the same with the um, with that uh, cliffhanger. You know, the whole um, who's he gonna who's he gonna kill? Like working his way down the line with the bat and stuff. Like the the way they resolved that. Like my wife was kind of absolutely fuming, and she loves Walking Dead more than I do. Like she was reading the comics before I was. She was buying the books. You know, we she loved the you know she loved every episode and stuff. Uh, and but then um, that hit, and she was just kind of fuming by it. She just was like, it feels really uh, manipulative. It's like they're after ratings. They don't care about the story. They're just trying to be scandalous. And it's just and it's yeah, it's it's true. It's that's all, exactly what they were. I feel like they kind of they did definitely jump the shot with that kind mm-hmm. of that 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 cliffhanger and moving yeah. into the Negan era um they're kind of milking it for all of those, which is a bit of a shame and they but, and they um, have a name in it, Jeffrey Dean Morgan on two uh, who's counts two sitcoms with 
well, one, one show with a very passionate fan base among its uh, uh, Supernatural, because he was uh, right. as well as uh, he was on Grey's Anatomy. So it's oh, like okay. people's like, oh, Jeffrey D. Morgan's back on TV. Sam and Dean's dad is like not dead. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so like, spoiler like, for Supernatural. Name, sorry, like, y'all. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's fine. The but the clever, but Supernatural did get to do the most clever reference yes. to uh, to uh, Jeffrey Dean yes. Morgan as being Negan. It's like, oh, my dad loved this bat. Our bat yes. dad loved this bat. I went. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's cool. I went. That's genius. <laughs> yes. And and I, but but it sucks. It sucks that Negan sort of has been like the and and I and I actually like and I actually like this actor from time to time, but. He's been like the Ted McGinley of of uh, Walking Dead is the fact that it's like and it's like I like Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I think he's a great actor, but he's Ted McGinley of Walking Dead. I I love he is on my short list of the next bat the actor to play Batman next him and John Hamm from Mad Men. I think they will be wonderful. Dark and disturbed Mm. Batman. I like John Hamm a lot. I love because I love John Hamm. I. I love John Hamm. I love Jeffrey Dean Morgan. If they do get Jeffrey Dean Morgan as like Thomas Wayne Batman, I will be, I, I you will hear a very loud fanboy fanboy scream from Ohio somewhere. <laughs> I will, I will not be, I will be unabashedly squeeing because I think that, that will the, be awesome. Yeah, I the have fan no art is already that. out there for that, isn't it? Because he's like, um, was it Batman v Superman? He was, he was Thomas Wayne. Okay, so if I, they let me do art of the week, it's going to pretty much be the Jeffrey Dean Morgan Appreciation Society. Yeah, you, essentially, like the Flashpoint <laughs> Batman. He's like, there's definitely I've definitely seen fan art of him as Flashpoint Thomas Wayne. Um, yeah, which is uh, which kind of writes itself, really. If you um, <laughs> if you if you wanted to go out and find, it would yeah. be perfect. It would be, and considering and considering that Jeffrey Dean Morgan's also in like. And also soon that Jeffrey Dean Morgan is going to be help is going to be helping the Rock wrangle giant beast and, and Rampage. I am really soon, looking forward so. to Rampage in a weird way. Like I know it's probably going to be terrible, but I really do. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's and the, and that's the funny part about that. It's like I always tell people about certain TV. It's like that's why I, I remember one time I was trying to figure out something to write, talk about Walking Dead. I always say it's like, well, Walking Dead's just kind of it's now on. It's like that show that's just kind of on. I mean, and when certain shows like. I'll say it's like NCIS. It's on hmm. CBS. It's like the top rated show on CBS and it just keeps going. It'll never end unless yeah. they decide to end it because it just keeps going. It's like the Energizer Bunny. Well, Supernatural is a bit like that as well. And now you have net television networks that are launching their own streaming services. CBS has been the first. Um, I think we can all safely say that the, the Disney streaming service is probably going to be an arm of ABC that... Mm-hmm. Shows can sort of shuffle off there. Um, I firmly believe that when Disney launches their streaming service, we may see Agent Carter again. Mm -hmm. We, I think if Disney had a streaming service out now, I think Inhumans would probably have fared a little better. Mm, Maybe, yeah. One of the biggest problems with Inhumans is here in the States, they showed it in IMAX. And I think expectations were too high as a result. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, if um, there are rumors, Marvel's Agents of Shield is canceled after this season ends. That the writers have said, "Well, we're writing the season finale as a series finale, just in oh, case. Okay. Bring it back on the streaming service." Yeah. 
yeah and that, that's the thing because it's it's weird because over here we've got you know we do have our own streaming services as well but we don't get things like cbs action and so shows that are on cbs action get shipped over in different formats over yes. here so like i'm watching like two cbs action shows i'm watching like religiously like i love star trek discovery and i love uh, the good fight which is like the the bit from the good wife um and um, yes. and I'm watching both of those, but like I'm watching Star Trek Discoveries on Netflix, and The Good Fight is on uh, mm-hmm. like Channel Channel Four, but like Channel Four have got like separate cable channels, so they've got like More Four and uh, Four Seven, which are like two mm-hmm. kind of different branches of it, and that, that's on one of those channels, and so that's coming back on. I think that's coming back on this week actually, and it's it's really weird thinking that um, like I'm watching. I'm watching more CBS action than than a lot of people in America probably are, um, because none of us wanted to pay for CBS yeah, All exactly. Access. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to. I kept saying CBS action, CBS All Access. Sorry, yeah, um, yeah. I kept. Uh, I kept calling it CBS action, but um, but yeah. So it's, it's it's bizarre, like that they. That's how it that how it ends up. And a quick aside with Inhumans, there the, in the pre multiversity days of Inhumans, there's an episode of there's a there's an episode of me basically talking about the pilot of inhumans and going on a fairly detailed oh, yeah. like like slightly very polite rant on it of basically going <laughs> why is this show so bland looking why is this yeah. show look so bland oh my sweet lord for the love of god add some color to this show oh sweet lord above make it yeah. look a little curvy something <laughs> i'll take anything it's Yep, it's when you have the technology in place, um, you can do wondrous things with it. If you've seen the uh, Disney adaptation of A Wrinkle in Time, now it's got warts, I'll admit, um, but the color, I was sitting in the theater and the color on the screen just mm. blew my mind. And, and why Bernays getting new gods? And it, please say I didn't butcher her last name because I, but. I don't think okay, David Burnham, no, you didn't. That, you didn't. That's why she's getting new gods. Because I saw, I, I haven't seen Wrinkle in Time in theaters yet, but I really do want to. I really, I, if I, if I end up having to wait till till it hits video on demand or whatever, it's gonna end up. Ha- it might end up happening. But I saw like the trailers of Wrinkle in Time. I went, oh lord, this lady knows. Oh my, this lady's. And when yeah. I heard she got uh, in new gods, I'm like, that is so perfect. That she's, yeah, I rock on. They, they did good. They done really good with getting her to do new gods because she's got such a great sense of direction and colors and she's so yes. and I'm like Lord. so and so basically just wait till people see new gods and I, I think that's gonna I, I think that's gonna be like that movie if if it's done if, if DC does this right and Warner Brothers does it right and how they promote it new gods could make them some buku cash if they do this because this movie's gonna be gorgeous yeah and i mean i really hope that it starts off like it it kicks off a whole new arm of dc dc movies like i think they could if they do it right then you could have like a mr miracle movie you could have like an orion movie you could just kind of spin off into all these different things it's opened up a lot of doors and i think but it's gonna be interesting to see at like trying to dive this back but it's gonna be interesting to see where all this stuff we start seeing starts veering into as the years go on like because now that it's like we have streaming services we can go into we can start really doing some oddball stuff i mean the movies are starting opening the doors i mean black panther becoming a billion dollar hit that opens the doors to so many possibilities yeah. like i can already imagine marvel's going 
So we got a next phase coming up, right? How loose can we be with it? <laughs> yeah. Because we know we're doing a Black Panther too, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's been that's been all but said that it's going to be Black Panther two. It's just a matter of I think details need to be hammered out. But yeah. you know, and then I sit there and you know say silent prayers that maybe I'll get my Black Widow movie, maybe I'll get my Ms. Marvel yeah. movie. At least, yeah. I'm still looking forward to Captain Marvel as well. That's <clears throat> going to be great. That's going to be that's going to be fun. Brie Larson's a great actress. Um, I'm Me I'm too. excited. I, I I and and I think it's funny because I I remember back in the day because. And I never wonder, and it's funny because when I, the reason why I got so ticked off, leading back to the like, well, comic book store story, I really got as ticked off as I did extra because I really liked Carol Danvers. It's, when she got set up as Captain Marvel, I thought, this is so freaking cool. I really like this. Yeah. And and yeah. that's why, and that's what I got as, as like one of the first times I'd ever really gotten from, because someone says, Wes, you are so polite on Twitter. How do you get blocked? <laughs> Wes, you are the one the nicest. How do you get blocked? How do you get people that? And it's like, I don't get mad really often. But when I do, it's kind of like one of those moments where you just kind of step back and see what, ha- what sorts itself out. And Quality I, over quantity. Exactly. I don't get mad over yeah, that's I, it. It's like, and it's one of the things where, and also it's like, let's see, I like the character. I like the direction of it. And you're insulting friends of mine. It is on yeah. like Donkey Kong. Okay, let's let's do this <laughs> thing. So it's like so, and that's but that's when I saw Captain Marvel's being one of those. I'm like, it sort it sort of made me smile when I saw this being part of Marvel's like big phase of movies, and I went, I just smile all the time thinking back to that conversation, going, ha, yeah, ha, <laughs> it's still around, like. Yeah, I hope yeah. he's still furious about it. I actually really legit hope that dude's watching is still furious that it's still around. Like that somehow <laughs> he's still like going, yeah, <laughs> mumbling on his own, like yeah. grumbling. Well, um, well, Kate, the uh, the time has absolutely flown by. Um, I think that's uh, that's a good sign that we've uh, we've had an enjoyable conversation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, this has been a lot of fun. I love that we've just gone. We've touched on so many different things. Um, I know one of the topics I proposed to you was to exhibit sites at the Society of Illustrators. I'm actually oh, going to cool. be on um, Paul Lye's uh, podcast in a couple weeks again. Oh, brilliant! Uh, or as I like to call him, the NPR of multiversity, because it really does feel like it's, I'm listening to like an NPR segment when I listen to his oh, show. Wow. Yeah, love you, absolutely. Paul. <laughs> yeah. So we may touch on that a little bit on his show, but um, no, this is. This, oh, uh, I think yeah. we had with. I really want. I want to dig into this comic shops versus digital mm-hmm. thing because I put my feet in both worlds. I love comicsology. I love Marvel Unlimited, but I also now having a good friend who owns a shop. Exactly. I want to support. I want to see his business succeed. So yeah. my 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 foot's in both worlds. And also the interesting bit is like Comicsology's now been doing these sales on Marvel on Marvel uh, trade paperbacks like the week of, and of like the ninety nine cent trades. Like here, here's these new trades that just got released this week. Here's a buck. They're a buck a piece. It's like, yeah. oh, I can. I only imagine how that's going. And they've done they've done it for two weeks now, and it's like, oh, I can only imagine how how yeah. they're going. Dude. And here in the states, um, we have a service in libraries called Hoopla. I use it, which is yes. yeah. um, 
and they have the Image back catalog, and they have Marvel now as well. Mm -hmm. I read uh, Chew from Image. I read like the first six trades in Chew and went like over a holiday weekend because I just kept checking them out. And the only reason I stopped was because they have a checkout limit. So mm. there's there's oh, there's wow. benefits to digital and there's drawbacks to digital. Yeah, I and I think we can as fans. I think if we can find that balance, everybody will be happy. Yeah, and I think there is a definitely a balance to be had because I I read predominantly digital because it is just more convenient and like there's like there's not many stores by me and like the stores yeah. that you know I do go to are kind of like they are really expensive and they're they're kind of franchise stores so it's not like i'm even helping out the little guy um so I just kind exactly. of you know and i get a lot of review copies and stuff so like i read a lot of digital stuff but at the same time when i do buy a book it's like the gorgeous like hard covers and things like this and like there's no replacement for that there's no kind of um you know the experience i get reading a book is it's so different to to reading digital that like yep, exactly. you know my my thinking is always I'll read stuff digitally and if I enjoy it I'll buy the book of it because that then is me like I'm I'm actually getting the the real experience of it weirdly so like in my head digital's convenient but it's not the yep. real way of reading of comics which is kind of an old fashioned way of thinking but I think it still applies yeah and we've didn't even to mention this at all but digital as um the digital realm as a benefit for creators mm -hmm. I. This totally slipped my mind, but Kickstarter. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Kicks, I have backed so many comics and properties through Kickstarter. Um, one of the books, uh, the, the anthologies I reviewed for Multiversity, mine, was a Kickstarter-backed book to benefit Planned Parenthood. Wow. So Kickstarter, so in the digital realm, it's not just comiXology and marvel unlimited and services for readers but the digital realm of services for creators to get their work out there yeah and it and it ties like a few of our kind of conversations together really because it it, it ties back to the idea of black panther and wonder woman selling so well and it's because of fans voting with their wallet and like kickstarter is a prime example of that like you know yep. things down there are more diverse you know in both ends of the spectrum really you do get extremes of of both sides of of comics on there uh, or, you know, every yep. side of comics there's not just two but like you get like you get so much variety so much diversity so much um self-published stuff that wouldn't have seen the light of day were it not for something like kickstarter and then you get like wild success stories on there like bingo love you know bingo love was a huge success story on kickstarter it's in its third printing yeah and, and now like it's become this huge thing t franklin has gone on and she's going to go on to bigger and better things i've no doubt and that's like and that's the perfect example of the kind of voice that is the future of comics and you know to to see the fans react to it in the way we want them to because for years now we've always been like oh yeah it's a great comic it's diverse it's it's brilliant it's progressive so of course it gets cancelled you know and that's kind of our pessimistic kind of like trained attitude to these kind of things whereas with and not just comics tv shows oh yeah comics tv shows you know movies that flop that are like really well done and things like this and but like you know now with kickstarter and things like that we're seeing that the fans are responding to that kind of stuff and so something like bingo love which is this you know really um like life affirming story it's just this great piece of work and you know to see fans actually love it and lap it up and you know uh sell like really want it and really buy it and and like make it go to the third printing is uh, is really heartwarming really so that's uh it's a positive thing but um but yeah so so okay where can um where can people find you on the internet if they uh, if they want to uh, if they want to track you down 
in a okay, so way. I've as, as I said, yes, in a definitely not creepy <laughs> way. So I I do run the Multiversity Twitter account um, for the most part. Uh, so that's multiversitycom at multiversitycom. I am at underscore um, at librarian underscore Kate. Mm-hmm. Um, for my Twitter, um, I'm on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, it's Librarian Kate seven five seven eight. Pretty much anywhere else. Um, if you go on today, there is a hilarious thread about a contest my office was having to name their conference rooms <laughs> because somebody had suggested the five stages of grief because we have five conference rooms. <laughs> Everybody just started coming up with their own ideas. Oh wow, that's amazing. <laughs> it got really hilarious. But now I'm, I've. Um, I'm trying to post a little bit more about comic stuff that I've been reading. It's always just a matter of finding time to yeah. read. Um, my, I am behind on so many things. It's not even funny. And one would think with I, um, the commute that I have on mass transit, which is roughly an hour each way, I'd have all this time, but it's not <laughs> happening. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just how it goes. Like I've got like so much, my reading list is getting ridiculous. So it's, yeah, it's, I think that's just the curse of a comic book fan. You've, like not too many comics yeah. in nine of time. And if anybody here is listening that's in the New York metropolitan area, I will be at Big Apple Con one of the two days. I'm not sure which. That's either going to be April 14th or April 15th. And I'm normally at New York Comic Con. Um, ideally all four days because I am insane. <laughs> Brilliant. Every year I say it's going to be my farewell tour and I turn to one of those share farewell tours where I'm still doing a farewell tour 10 days yeah, later. Yeah. <laughs> So, but yeah, if you're coming to Big Apple Con, if you're going to be at FlameCon in New York City in August, which is the um, LGBTQ Comic Con that Geeks Out runs, I'll be there as well. I got bright red hair. I'm really easy to spot. <laughs> and, um, and what about you, Wes? Where can people find you on the internet? You can find me uh, at Geek Who Landed. And you can also find me at Geek, Who, at Geek Land on Twitter and geekwholanded.com. And like I said, I've been kind of sick the past few months. So I've been kind of thrown off my entire game lately so and but i also do i'm also doing stuff for graphicpolicy.com and there and so pretty much so i'm and also it's also it's kind of neat that i'm also tanned i'm also like loosely tied to uh to multiversity thanks to this podcast so it was that was kind of yeah there you go. that was kind of quiet i, I went, when when i saw my name on the on the multiversity uh twitter feed i went matt <laughs> you did yeah yeah that's it i'm my name they, they put they got the Twitter handle. They got the Twitter and handle. And now you know who to thank for and that. Matt. Remember what I said earlier? I have a degree in library <laughs> science. I basically got a master's in finding <laughs> yeah. things. And, and Matt, and but you should have heard me. You, that was like the comical eve. That was a very funny day when Matt got to see me go. Matt and the guy messaged from me. Matt, <laughs> I made it. I, I guess I'm part of the family now because I guess my 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 Twitter handles here. So I'm guess technically part of the family. I I don't write for Multiversity yet, but I I'm basically I'm part. Of- I like that you added yet. We will recruit you. Yeah, come aboard. <laughs> I my if if. if if they want me, I'm. I'd be happy to pop on. We I mean, don't have anybody reviewing Gotham because nobody wants to do it. Yes, you'd be perfect to review crazy TV shows. That would be your. That would be your niche. That would be perfect. I. I, wa- I actually. I actually watch Gotham. I. I watch. I. I really. Yeah, so I anyway. enjoy the hell out of Gotham. It's one of my favorite shows on TV. Honestly, See, if I had to be blunt. We're always. <laughs> we're always looking for people to review TV shows, and that seems right up your street. Yeah, you'd be perfect for that. If. If someone wants me to, they just—I'm pretty easy <laughs> to find. I'm just saying, I would do. I would actually probably write Gotham. I actually wrote. Um, 
I wrote, let's see, for Comics Crux and a short time on Ryan's Geek, I did, I did, I reviewed oh, Arrow. Yeah. Wow. And, and, um, there, there's actually, Kate, you might appreciate this. My friend, my friend Laura and I talk, my friend Laura and I, well, I'm actually, I'm actually trying to get her on an episode here because it's going to be an entire episode of us snarking on Arrow <laughs> yeah. for, for about, as she and I, after every episode of Arrow, she go, I'm like, Laura, it's trust issues. There, there's more trust issues this week. Yeah, there is. They really don't trust each other, do they? No. She coined, she coined the term Arrow as trust issues yeah. TV because no one trusts each other on this show. And so, and my friend and my, and my, uh, my ex, my, my former editor, my former editor on Comics Crux, she, she, and Jess has a very loving term for Arrow saying fuck Arrow. And she, and she, <laughs> very loving. And she, and it's very loving. And I and my friend Laura and I, we liked we watched the show. We liked the show, but we also, when the show does something really stupid, it becomes like fifteen minutes of Laura and I yelling at Arrow for on on Messenger. Like you, like our Messenger threads become just going, why, <laughs> why? Oh, I would be like, I, I, I tell my boyfriends like, I'm just going to come down one day when you're watching Flash, get drunk, and just shout Barry Allen as a whiny little bitch at the TV the entire time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, single-handedly ruining uh... you missed me during flash when i yelled damn it barry allen for every because i actually like this year the flash is uh it's a lot more it's a little more silly and i said guys you should want flashpoint 2.0 because dear god that got annoying i was so sick of like barry allen's brooding again everyone's brooding i'm like brood 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 dear god guys cheer the god bless it i had to hear (laughs) one more oh god really i'm getting sick yeah, of damn yeah. barry allen every week and and it's like and and like i'll take so i'll take this crazy wacky off the cu- off the wall season of flash over <laughs> damn it barry allen every week so so i i love that flash is your show to yell at kate because that because arrow is the show that it's like it's like i watch all the cw shows which by the way i wanted to mention this but i love that black lightning's got a killer fan that has gone up gone over so well have you seen any of Black? Yeah, we are. Th- um, we we do watch it. We're behind, which makes me reading the recap some multiversity rather interesting because <laughs> I've been spoiled on a few things. But no, we 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 loved it. As, as I described it to a coworker of mine, that it was it was going to get real in places, and you might get uncomfortable, hmm. but you need to get uncomfortable. I love it. I and it's a I damn love- good superhero story too. It's a good superhero show. And it does get uncomfortable, but it's really good. And it's so damn and it's and it was funny in a recent episode. This isn't a spoiler, Kate, but they actually mention Supergirl and Vixen, and I went, Oh. And but I almost think but I think in this, I think how they're setting up Black Lightning is these characters are like comic books or comic book characters in this. Cause they're almost i I'm always waiting for the announce when it ends up getting having to be tied into the major arrowverse, and I'm sort of going I don't know if I want it to be tied to the major Arrowverse. So I'm not sure how it would fit in. You could do yeah. it, but it'd be like, but I, but I love, but I love how they, but I love like the looks of the costumes. I love the, I love how it just feels so hard hitting and I love, and, and it really, and when it goes there, it goes there. And it, yeah, it's, it's the perfect, it's, it's perfect for our current, in the um, geopolitical climate in the U.S., it it's gonna it's gonna educate, but it's not going to be preachy mm. about. It's gonna be preachy, but it's going to do it in a way that is going to be where people are going to be open. Yeah. Um, 
I'm a big I'm a big person on comet. Um, I love my escapism, but I'm also a big person on that um, comics TV. They have a dual responsibility of educate mm. and entertain, and that's what Black Lightning has done. That's what I think Supergirl has mm-hmm. done with having Alex as an out lesbian. Uh, so I, I applaud how yeah, some exactly. of these shows have handled social issues in a way that educates gently mm-hmm. and and still maintains the entertainment value. And if you don't like it, you can always just change the channel. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. I saw people getting, and it's funny when I see people getting, got mad about Supergirl and I went, oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Come, come yeah. On. And to, qu- and to quote one of Matt's uh, esteemed countrymen, and on that terrible disappointment. And, and I know we were supposed to be wrapping the show, but yeah, that, that was something. I mean, dear God, I actually, I, I'm actually kind of going, damn it, we always have, we're finding more to say, and this is kind of, and it's kind of surprising. It's like, we're supposed to be wrapping up the show, aren't we? Yes. <laughs> I, f- I almost forgot that we were meant to be wrapping up the show yeah um but yeah so uh that's it so um you can find me on at matt loon i'm on twitter i'm m a w t l u n e um and you can find the show on twitter at that's the issue uh, and you can shoot us an email at that's the issue podcast at gmail.com um and you can find us on multiversitycomics.com uh, where you can also find uh, and you can find a bunch of other um amazing podcasts you could check out including uh paul's comic syllabus that we mentioned earlier uh the dc three cast um and robots from tomorrow uh, as, as well as uh, many more um so go check that out as well and uh, you can also find us on itunes stitcher podbean uh, wherever podcasts wherever good podcasts are found um but that's it for this time kate thank you again for joining us um thank you for having me real pleasure this was so much fun kate. It, it was a lot of fun we'll have to have you on again so we can uh, cram in all the other conversations we didn't get around to having <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and all the other tangents we need to go on as well <laughs> Um, but yeah so that's uh, that's it from us thank you and we'll see you again soon goodbye bye